Hi, I'm Wendy Bright Fallon. And I'm Debbie Peterson. You're listening to Nourish Noshes, stories about real people, real food, and real life. We're integrative health counselors on a quest to make the world a healthier place. So glad you've joined us. Hi, I'm Wendy Bright Fallon. And I'm Debbie Peterson. We are so happy today to welcome Julie Latz, the founder of Peaceful Eater. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even remembering how we found each other, but I'm so excited to talk to her today. Yes. She's a former binge eater and has decided to devote her life to helping others. Welcome, Julie. Hi. It's so nice to speak with you guys. Yeah. So we, we can't wait to hear your story. It's so fascinating. And I guess even before we get to that, I, mean, I have so many questions for you, but I want I don't want our listeners to be confused as to what we do as opposed to what you do. Um, because we do similar work. However, there is a big difference between the binge eating that most people do occasionally, including us, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and people who are compulsive binge eaters that that's, it takes over their life. And I think that's more so what you probably do more of than what we do. Absolutely. You know, I talk about, at least in my opinion, there are like three types of overeaters. And this kind of gets to your point of what you were saying about yourself. I see someone as, I call them the nibbler, and that could be a person who is mindlessly eating. Let's say they're doing the crossword puzzle and they've got, you know, a a can of nuts next to them. Or they're watching TV and they they eat, you know, a whole bag of potato chips. Just they're doing it mindlessly and, you know, they're just not paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. And once they're done with that, they may feel a little uncomfortable physically, um, but then they just get on with their day and... It doesn't really have much of an impact on their lives. And then there's the emotional eater, and that's the way I see a person who, let's say they had a really hard day at work, or they got in a fight with their boss, or something negative happened, and they they just want to sit down with a pint of ice cream, or, you know, a bunch of donuts, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that might be what you were talking about, that sometimes you just need to go for it. Right, right. You know, with that sort of person also... I don't look at that as disordered eating. It's more just they want to take the edge off something that, you know, emotionally triggers them. But again, just like the nibbler, that person gets on with their day afterwards. Mm -hmm. Just doesn't have the same kind of effect as what I deal with, which is, as you mentioned, the binge eater. And that's a person who really feels controlled by and obsessed with food. So it's very similar to, let's say, an alcoholic or a drug addict. But their drug of choice is food. And, um, you know, they, they go on these binges where they eat tremendous amounts of food, whether they're hungry or not, and they kind of run their day around their, their eating. Uh, you know, they may, um, I, at least for myself, I, you, you mentioned I was a former binge eater. I lived that way for 45 years, and I really was obsessed with food. Mm-hmm. So. If I was going with my husband and my kids, like back then they didn't know, uh, neither did my parents. You know, I hid, hid this from everyone because it's so shameful and embarrassing. But if I were going, let's say, to the airport with my husband and my kids, I would tell them I'm going to the bathroom, and instead I would rush to go get something to eat. Mm. Um, or I would have junk food in my purse, and I would tell them I'm going to the bathroom, and on the way to the bathroom I would just eat that. So it's kind of like a compulsion to eat, you know, tremendous amounts of food. 
So it, yeah. is it rooted in somewhat of an, an anxiety that the food helps you feel better momentarily? That I mean, that's kind of the definition of a compulsion that you have an, an, some kind of anxiety and whatever that is that you do to fix it momentarily kind of makes you feel better for the moment. It, yeah, that's, that's a really good way of putting it. I think what happens with binge eaters is they are emotional eaters at some point, and then it kind of just becomes a habit and a, a go-to to deal with their stress. Yeah, and I I think one of the other things that, um, I mean, we we need to eat three times a day. Some some of us maybe two times a day. <laughs> uh, some athletes need to eat four or five times a day. But so we're, const- we're all constantly thinking about food. But what you're talking about, too, is this obsess- obsession with food and constantly thinking about it and having it interrupt thoughts and... Ruling your life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also, like the way I was saying, it's very similar to, you know, another type of addict. It's very much like a, um, an alcoholic who knows that they're, you know, if they, um, if they really overdo it with their drinking, they know they're going to have a hangover and they know they're going to hate that feeling, but they do it anyway. This happens with the binge eater is that they know that if they stop themselves, they're going to feel helpless and hopeless and, you know, bloated and disgusting, but they do it anyway. Mm. And that's part that is so upsetting because you consciously know that you're doing something that's really in your, so much in your, um, against your best interest. Right, right. You you need to do it anyway. Right. Right. So can you tell us with binge eating is for your... What am I trying to say? You know, binge eating often is connected with obesity and weight gain, but do you also work with people who purge as well or no? I do. I okay. work with many people who are bulimic because what I find is once people stop the binging, then there's no need to purge. So my program works for them as well. And, you know, there are quite a few of my clients, uh, surprisingly, maybe only have 5 to 10 pounds to lose. Their weight is more that they are uh, so upset with the obsession. And so maybe they exercise a lot so that they don't put on the weight. But whatever it is, they feel that they're still ruled by food. So many of the people I work with have a lot of weight that they would like to lose, and some just don't have too much. It's more the mental game. Yeah, right. So one of my questions, and maybe this is more of a personal question, but I'm sure many people might be able to relate, is, do you, do you know when this started for you, or was there a trigger that started this for you early on? Um, what, you know, what, what made this behavior begin? That is such a good question. Um, my story has to do with the fact that when I was very young, even starting around age five, my mother, and she meant well, I know she meant well, but she was really uh, overly interested in how I looked and my weight, and so she was always telling me, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that. So whereas my brother was able to have cookies, maybe I wasn't, or I was only able to have one. Or, you know, like, I was kind of put in a position of deprivation. Mm. She was so concerned that she never wanted me to gain weight. So what started happening was this deprivation got me to the point where I felt like, well, if I can't eat, you know, junk food like everybody else is eating, if I can't eat it in front of you, I'm going to eat it when you're not looking. Mm-hmm. And that's the typical sign of a binge eater is that they eat in private, like I was saying before, you know, about going to the bathroom, whether I was at the airport, wherever I would go, 
I was always hiding my food, and that is, a, as I said, a classic uh, symptom of being a binge eater. So it started at a very young age, and I remember being excited to be able to go, let's say, to my friend's house because their mothers let them have That's when I was able, you know, if I were at someone else's house, then I could enjoy things, um, whereas I, at home, never felt that I was able to. Uh, so that really throughout my life. So it was in front of my parents that I wouldn't eat. It was in front of college roommates when I would work. You know, I would always have, let's say, candy in my purse, but I would leave my office to go eat. So crazy life. Right. It sounds like it. And that was for 45 years. So what was it for you that actually clicked that said, I am going to let go of this behavior? What, what was it for you that, um, what, like, what was your why? Uh, my why was that one day I woke up, this is in 2010, I woke up one morning and I felt, besides feeling, you know, physically disgusting and um, bloated and uncomfortable and hopeless and helpless, all of those feelings, for some reason, that particular day, I woke up feeling petrified to get into bed even one more night having this. I just, I knew for some reason I had to figure it out and I had to do it that day because I, n I never had that kind of fear before of having another experience of what I was just experiencing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. What happened was that day I said to myself, if I'm so scared to get into bed feeling this way, and I want to change it today, the only thing I could think of is, if I'm a binge eater, I have to figure out how to live as the opposite of a binge eater. So I said, well, if I want to be happy when I get into bed tonight, I have to be happy after everything I eat. But what does that actually mean? And so I just started to ask myself some questions, and I realized that I had to stop anything that felt like a diet, because that's what I just kept doing, going from diet to diet. Right. And I was weight and then I would gain it back and then I'd gain more back and it was just this crazy dieting binge cycle. So I decided that I needed to figure out a way to eat whatever I wanted but to do it in moderation, which is totally scary to a binge eater because oh, yeah. I, had never, I had never eaten anything in moderation <laughs> in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I just started to ask some questions. You know, I would look at a food and say, Will I be happy when this is over? Like before eating it, I would actually ask myself a question. So I started to just ask a bunch of different questions, and basically I was inserting some pauses. And so instead of just impulsively eating like I always would, if I would think of food, I would eat it. Instead, I stopped and said, Will I be happy when this is over? Mm -hmm. And if the answer was no, you know, let's say it was too many calories or something, then I would say, Well, I still really want it. How much of it can I eat and be happy when it's over? And so just having this conscious conversation is what all of a sudden started to make things click. Because I was always on autopilot and never tuning in. Or I would ask myself, what am I really in the mood for? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it spicy? Is it crunchy? So I just started to really go within and do what you know more typical eaters do, where they really are thinking about, am I hungry? Do I want this? You know, what do I want? And, and it just... Well, I mean, of course, you're talking about mindful eating, which is something that we advocate all the time. But the idea is that a lot of people who can eat moderately without thinking about it so much is the difference that I think perhaps 
the way your mother um, reacted to you eating kind of took the control away from you because kids who are in a, a healthy family lifestyle that their parents don't really mess with their eating so much have a really good sense of when to stop eating when they're full. You know, kids are really good at that. So it sounds like maybe your mother threw that off for you and then you didn't know how to do it on your own. You know, I never thought of it that way and you're absolutely right. That really is what happened. I was never given the chance to learn how to eat in moderation. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, and perhaps your mother's generation, uh, as is a lot of the older people who lived or their parents lived through the Depression, they were always limited with what they could eat. And so I think they're, they had kind of a mindset of, you know, what, what, when's the next time I can eat? And it's a very scared place from, that comes from fear around mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think also that generation, um, they were very into image. You know, how do you look or how do things seem in front of other people? Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really um, very, very important to my mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe she thought it was a reflection on her if her daughter would be heavy. So she wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. And I, I think we've, we're continuing that culture, unfortunately, <laughs> with social media and just our access to criticism and bullying. I'm not sure that's gotten any easier. Yeah, our our image, <laughs> yeah, our image and our self-love really, you know, a- affects us profoundly in our decisions about how we take care of this amazing body. Saying that too, I remember reading in your bio on your page of you were abusing yourself with food. And I think that's a really uh, powerful concept to understand for people about the self-abuse. Could you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, you know, it kind of gets back to what I was um, touching on earlier regarding, you know, ahead of time that when you're going to eat a couple of thousand calories, let's say, at once. You know what you're doing to your body and you feel compelled to do it anyway. So it was very depressing mm-hmm. to feel like I needed to, let's say, um, in high school when we could drive, my friends and I would go to a place called Bagel Nash and then we would go to Dunkin' Donuts. And like this was maybe after school. My mother would have no idea. So I would come home feeling so full from you know, having a bagel with tuna fish and then a donut or two, and then she would serve dinner. And so like knowing that you're doing this to all your wonderful body organs that are taking good care of you, it's just a, a horrible feeling. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you're consciously knowing you're doing it, but you don't feel you have control over yourself. Yeah. I know it sounds kind of strange, like, you know, you're choosing to do this, but what I say is, like, with an addiction, there is no logic. Right, You can right, know you're exactly. doing it, and you can know you'll be miserable, but you do it anyway. Right. And so it's just a very depressing, self-defeating feeling. Yeah, and you used the word shame a couple of times in the beginning of our conversation, and I think that, that just the word shame is even hard for us to identify with or understand or even just confess that we feel shame. And and I wonder, too, there's an effect of being dis- completely disconnected from your body, too, at, at some point, that yeah. you're actually, your mind and body or habit and body just are, are kind of in two different realms, almost. Yes, 
That's exactly it, the disconnect where you know you will feel a certain way and you can't help yourself. It, it always felt like something just came over me that made me do this. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds like I wasn't taking responsibility, and that's true, but I didn't feel I was able to. Right. right. So well, when you talk about shame, um, the thing about it is, you know, there are plenty of people who are overweight, but they're not all binge eaters. And they have no problem eating macaroni and cheese or spaghetti and meatballs in front of other people. They'll, they'll just do what they do. There's no shame or embarrassment for them. They just eat that way. Mm-hmm. When you're a binge eater and your life is revolving around food, it is so shameful and embarrassing. Like you would not tell somebody that you were up all night eating donuts or ice cream or, you know, both. That's where the shame comes in because you can't control yourself. Um, so that's different than a person who just is overweight and they, they overeat or they eat some of the wrong things, but their life's not revolving around it. Mm-hmm. So you've used the word control a, a couple of times. Do you now feel like you're in control or have you redefined yeah. the yeah, word I really control? Am. You know, this, I came up with this method that worked for me. I, I was touching on it earlier with certain questions to ask and then I came up with something called tricks to make it stick which are just little things I do throughout the day that keep me feeling in control. But I'll just give you an example of a trick to make it stick. Uh, When I first started this, I would go for frozen yogurt every day. And again, I would ask myself, you know, how much of this can I eat or will I be happy when this is over? So if I would go to, at the time I was following Weight Watchers, their points program Mm -hmm. when I started this. From a weight loss point of view, I I was doing Weight Watchers. So I would think to myself, well, I want to have frozen yogurt as one of my snacks for the day, and I'm going to uh, say that I would like to order a small because I'm going to assume that it's maybe three points, even though I didn't know exactly. So if I'd go to the frozen yogurt place and ask for a small, and then they would give me, let's say, a tremendous amount. So the binge eater in me would be so happy that they gave me so much because I'd want to eat it all, but again, living as the opposite of a binge eater, I would ask myself, how much of this can I eat and be happy when it's over? And I knew the whole thing wouldn't be, wouldn't make me happy. So I would take a portion of it, scoop it off the top and throw it out and just be left with what I kind of figured might be three points. And again, it didn't really matter if it was exact. It was just the action of saying, I need to get rid of some of this to leave myself happy when it's over because that was my whole premise is if I'm happy when everything's over, I get to be happy when I'm, you know, get into bed at night and then I'm happy the next morning and I start all over again. So having that control of saying how much of this do I want um, was an amazing feeling because I never lived that way. I always wanted all of everything. So that first night when you crawled in bed, what I mean, it, it's almost like you took your power back on that very day. Yeah. What and did you, you know, was it a struggle the next day and the next day? Like, oh. <clears throat> how no, you know, what happened was once I saw myself doing things like scooping off some of the frozen yogurt or deciding, um, like another snack I used to eat at the when I first started this was um, a small bag of baked lays. So I remember it being like 10 o'clock in the morning and I was thinking, I really want to have baked lays now. And then I thought, well, would I be happier if I have it now at 10 in the morning or would I be happier if I have it a little bit later? And once I saw myself say 
no, I would be happier if I eat it later. That was very similar to scooping off some of the frozen yogurt because it was the opposite of the impulse. It was actually making a conscious decision based on a conscious conversation with myself. So once I saw myself do it even a few times where I just, you know, didn't give in to the impulse, it was amazing. It was such an amazing feeling that it made it easy to just change my life right then and there because I never thought I could do it that way. But once I saw I could, it was like, oh, why would I ever want to just eat everything in sight and not pay attention to it? when I actually can do it this way. So what I found was this was working so well for me right away, and my goal in life was always that if I could ever figure my own way out of this crazy lifestyle, that I would want to devote the rest of my life to helping other people so they wouldn't have to suffer. And so when I saw it was helping me, I decided to find three, I like to call them my guinea pigs, just people that I tried this method out with. And... Um, they had the same results. I coached each of them for a month separately, and they had the same exact results I did, and that's when I turned it into a coaching practice. Wow. I love that story, and I love the fact that you say you were binging for 45 years. This is not something that you did a couple of years and said, okay, I need to stop, and just stopped. You know, this. Right. It, you know, it took it took a long time for you to just kind of get to that point, and a lot of people say they have to hit rock bottom you know, especially with yeah. addiction, and some rock bottoms are pretty bad. One thing that we talk about with our clients, and I'm sure you talk about too, is sometimes don't realize that we have a choice. And that's exactly what you were just talking about, is that you gave yourself the choice, do I want to eat this now, or do I want to eat this later? When people don't realize, they have choices. And if they talk to themselves about those choices, perhaps that sense of control will feel a little bit better and they can actually manage a lot of the behaviors that they had trouble managing previously. Yeah, absolutely. I think that with binge eaters, they don't think that they can have, they think more along the lines of something is a good food or a bad food or I'm on my diet today or I'm off my diet. Mm -hmm. They're not really thinking about this gray area of learning how to eat anything they want but to do it in moderation. That doesn't come into their thinking because they don't know that that's even a possibility. They mm. just know there are diet foods and binge foods. Well, and I think you bringing up the idea of people saying foods are good or bad, it's one of the things that we talk with people about as well, is there, foods aren't good or bad. Food is how it makes you feel, look, and perform, and how you show up, show up in life. So you have a freebie on your website at PeacefulEater.com, and it's a download that people um, can print. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, I give people some uh, really great tips on these sorts of things related to my tricks to make it stick. It's a free report, as you said. Um, it's the five keys to treating and eating. And I feel like once they read these things, they're able to start to put those into their lives and potentially start to feel a little calmer around food. So, and that, that could be a great start, but I know a lot of people probably need a lot more support than that. So if, if people download your free gift and said, this is great, but I think I could use a little bit more help, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, they can apply to, to um, have a conversation with me. Um, and I'll just you know, give your readers right now, I mean, your listeners, I'm sorry, just an idea that they can either uh, reach out to me, my cell phone number 
is area code 914-629-0073 if they want to send a text. Or they can send me an email at julie at peacefuleater.com. Uh, but there is something, uh, once they get the report, that they can you know sign up to have a phone call. Okay, great. Great. So you do a consult. And, and, and I find yeah. it interesting that you said application because you want to be working with people who are committed, correct? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we do the same. We get that. <laughs> right. You don't want people to sign other people up because they know they have a problem, but they, they're not right. ready quite yet. So. Oh, definitely. Right. right. And I also need to know if someone's truly a binge eater uh, because some people may not show whether they are or not. And if they're not, then I can possibly send them to somebody else who can help them with their specific issues. Right, right. That's a good point. So, Julie, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today about your experience, your life? You know, the only thing I really want to share is that when people hear someone who has been a binge eater for 45 years who used to eat everything in sight and be obsessed with and controlled by food, saying that, well, now I can eat, you know, a small portion of this, a small portion of that. I want people to know, like, it really is true. And hmm. if you just open your heart and your mind to knowing that change is possible, instead of just assuming, like, oh, I, there's no way I can ever do that. Because I would have felt that way, too. There's no way I can ever eat in moderation mm -hmm. until I did. You know, and the hundreds of people that I've worked with, uh, they always say when I have, you know, the consultation with them, they say, oh, no, I wouldn't be able to learn how to, you know, eat um, two Oreos because once I start, you know, with the bag, I'm going to eat the whole thing. And I say to them, that's so good to hear because you're exactly like every single person I've ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I talked to them. I've had, um, I've had a 100% success rate in getting people to stop binging within 30 days. Over the last um, five and a half years, that's that's so it wonderful. Works. It works. It really works. And Thank and it's you. funny we are we talk about everybody being unique, but at the same time we're not. You know we're not we're not alone. So a lot of us have problems that other people have, and and there's those of us who have found solutions to those problems. And you're one of those people. So thank yeah. goodness you're out there. Well, thank you so much Bye. for sharing your wisdom and your story and being vulnerable in this uh, journey of wellness. Well, thank you. It's been such a pleasure speaking with the two of you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And please share this podcast and subscribe and have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening. I'm Wendy Bright Fallon. And I'm Debbie Peterson. Join us next time for more of Nourish Noshes. Continue the conversation about real people, real food, and real results on our Facebook page, Nourish Cookbook. Be well.